Chapter 8, Part 1 of The Planet Strappers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Planet Strappers by Raymond Z. Gallum. Chapter 8, Part 1. Frank Nelson missed the first shambles at Palestine, of course, since even at high speed the rescue unit with which he came did not arrive until days after the catastrophe. There had been hardly any warning since the first attack had sprung from the sublevels of the city itself. A huge tank of liquid oxygen and another tank of inflammable synthetic hydrocarbons to be used in the manufacture of plastics had been simultaneously ruptured by charges of explosive, together with a heavy safety partition between them. The resulting blast and fountain of fire had jolted even the millions of tons of Pallas's mass several miles from its usual orbit. The sack of the town had begun at once, from within, even before chunks of asteroid material, man-accelerated and aimed, had begun to splatter blossoms of incandescence into the confusion of deflating domes and dying inhabitants. Other vandal bands had soon landed from space. The first hours of trying to regain any sort of order during the assault and after it was finally beaten off. Must have been heroic effort almost beyond conception. Local disaster units helped by hoppers and citizens had done their best. Then many had turned to pursuit and revenge. After Nelson's arrival, his memory of the interval of acute emergency could have been broken down into a series of pictures in which he was often active. First the wreckage, which he helped to pick up, like any of the others. Palestin had been like a froth on a stone, a castle on a floating, golden crag. It had been a flimsy, hastily built mushroom city, with a beautiful, tawdry splendor that had seemed out of place, a target shining for thousands of miles. Ha ha! Nelson could almost hear the coarse laughter of the jolly lads as they broke it up, robbed it, raped it, because they both sneered at its effeteness and missed what it represented to them. Nelson remembered very well how a man's attitudes can be warped while he struggled for mere survival in an archer drifting in space. Yet even as he worked with the others to put up temporary domes and to gather the bloated dead, the hatred arose in him, and was strengthened by the fury and grief in the grim, strong faces around him. To exist where it was, Palestine could not be as soft as it seemed, and to the hoppers, the rugged, level-headed ones who deserved the name, it had meant much, though they had visited it only for a few days of fun now and then. The jolly lads had been routed. Some must have fled chuckling and cursing almost sheeplessly, like infants the magnitude of whose mischief had surpassed their intentions, and has awed and frightened them at last. They had been followed even before the various late-coming space forces could get into action. Nelson overheard words that helped complete the pictures. I'll get them. They had my wife. This was planned. You know where. It was planned all right, but if Ceres, the Tovey colony, had actually been the instigator, there was evidence that the scheme had gotten out of hand. The excitement of destruction had spread. 
Stories came back that Ceres had been attacked, too. I killed a man, Frank, with this pre-asteroidal knife. He was after Helen and my son. This was timid David Lester talking, awed at himself, proud, but curiously ashamed. This made another picture. By luck, the Lesters lived in the small, above-surface portion of Palestine that had not been seriously damaged. Frank Nelson also killed, during a trip to Post 1, of the KRNH Enterprises, to get more stellene and other materials to expand the temporary encampments for the survivors. He killed two fleeing men coldly and at a distance because they did not answer his hail. The shreds of their bodies and the loot they had been carrying were scattered to drift in the vacuum, adding another picture of retribution to thousands like it. Belt Parnay was the name of the leader whom everybody really wanted to get. Belt Parnay, another Fessler, another Fanshawe. This was a curious thing. There was another name and face, but as far as could be told, the personality was very similar. It was as if, out of the darker side of human nature, a kind of reincarnation would always take place. They didn't get Parnay. Inevitably, considering the enormity of space, many of the despoilers of Palestine escaped. The shrewdest, the most experienced, the most willing to shout and lead and let others do the dangerous work, had the advantage, for they also knew how to run and hide and be prudently quiet. Parnay was one of these. Some captives were recovered. Others were found murdered. Fortunately, Palestine was still largely a man's city, but pursuit and revenge still went on. Post one was intact. Art Kuzak had surrounded it with a cordon of tough and angry asteroid hoppers. It was the same with the other posts, except five and nine, which were wiped out. "'Back at last, huh, Nelson?' Art roared angrily, as soon as Frank had entered his office. "'A fact we should accept, not discuss,' Nelson responded dryly. "'You know the things we need.' "'Uh-huh, Nelson. To rescue and restore Palestine, when it's pure nonsense, only inviting another assault. When we know that dispersal is the only answer.' The way things are everywhere, the whole damned human race needs to be dispersed, if some of it is to survive. It made another picture. Art Kuzak, the old friend, gone somewhat too big for his oversized breeches, perhaps. No doubt Art had had to put aside some grandiose visions, considering the turn that events had taken. Whole asteroids moved across the distance and put into orbit around the Earth, so that their mineral wealth could be extracted more conveniently. Space resorts established for tourists, new sports made possible by zero gravity, invented and advertised. Art Kusek had the gift of both big dreaming and of practice. He had talked of such things before. Nelson's smirk was wry. Dispersal for survival, I agree, he said. When they tried to settle Mars, it was being mentioned, also long before that. Your wisdom is not new, Art. It wasn't followed, perhaps, because people are hurting animals by instinct. Anyhow, our side has to hold what it has really got, one-fourth of Palestine above the surface, and considerably more underground, including shops, installations, and seventy percent of its skilled inhabitants determined to stay in the belt 
after the others were killed or wounded or ran away. Unless you've quit claiming to be a practical man, Art, you'll have to go along with helping them. You know what kind of materials and equipment are needed. And how much we can supply? Better than I do. Or do I have to withdraw my fraction of the company in goods? We'll take up the dispersal problem as soon as possible. Art Kuzak could only sigh heavily, grin a lopsided grin, and produce. Soon a great caravan of stuff was on the move. There was another picture. Eileen Sands, the old queen of Serene, in a not-yet-forgotten song, sitting on a lump of yellow alloy splashed up from the surface of Pallas, where a chunk of mixed metal and stone had struck at a speed several miles per second, fusing the native alloy and destroying her splendid second stop utterly in a flash of incandescence. Back in Archer, she looked almost as she used to look at Hendricks. Her smile was rueful. "'Shucks, I'm all right, Frank,' she said. "'Even if insurance, with so many disaster claims, can't pay me, which they probably still can, the boys will keep needing entertainment, if it's only in a stellene space tent. They won't let me just sit. For two bits, though, I'd move into a nice safe orbit, out of the belt, and on the other side of the sun from Earth, and build myself a retreat and retire. I'd become a spacewoman, like I wanted to in the first place. I'll bet, Nelson joshed. Otherwise, what have you heard and seen? There's a certain fella. Right away she thought he meant Ramos. That damn fool, why ask me, Frank? She sniffed, her expression sour and sad. How long has he been gone again, now? As usual, he was proposing for the first few days after he set out. After that, there were a few chirps of messages, then practically nothing. Anyway, how long does it take to get way out to Pluto and back, even if a whole man can have the luck to make it? And is there much more than half of him left? For two bits, I'd, uh, skip it. Nelson smiled with half of his mouth. I wanted to know about Ramos, too, Eileen. Thanks. But I was talking about Tiflin. Mm, you're right. He and pal Igor were both around at my place about an hour before we were hit. I called him something worse than a bad omen. He was edgy, almost like he used to be. He said that, one of these days, be cavalier, I was going to get mine. He and Igor eeled away before my customers could break their necks. Nelson showed his teeth. Thanks again. I wondered, he said. He stayed in Palestine until, however, patched it looked, it was functioning as the center of the free, if rough-and-tumble part of the belt once more, though he didn't know for how long this would be true. Order of one kind had been fairly restored, but out of the disaster, and something very similar on Ceres, the thing that had always been most feared had sprung. It was the fact of opposed organized might in close proximity in the region between Pallas and Ceres. Again, there was blaming and counter-blaming about incidents the exact source of which never became clear. What each of the space forces patrolling opposite each other had in the way of weapons was, of course, no public matter either. But how do you rate two inconceivables? Nor did the threat stay out in the vastness between the planets. From Earth came the news of a gigantic incandescent bubble rising from the floor of the Pacific Ocean, 
and spreading in almost radioactive free waves and ripples, disrupting penned-in areas of food-producing sea and lapping at last at far shores. Both sides disclaimed responsibility for the blast. Everybody insisted, hopefully, that this latest danger would die down, too. Statesmen would talk, official tempers would be calmed, some new working arrangements would be made. But meanwhile, the old sword of Damocles hung by a thinner hair than ever before. One trigger-happy individual might snap it for good, if not now, the next time, or the next. A matter of hours, days, or years. The mathematics of probabilities denied that luck could last forever. In this thought, there was a sense of helplessness and the ghost of a second asteroid belt. Frank Nelson might have continued to make himself useful in Palestine, or he might have rejoined the Cusacks, who had moved their mobile posts back into a safer zone on the other side of Palace. But his instincts now all pointed along another course of action, the only course that seemed to make any sense just then. He approached Art Cusack at Post 1. About deployment, he began. I've made up some sketches, showing what I'd like the factories to turn out. The ideas aren't new. Now they're springing up all around like thoughts of food in a famine. If anything will approach answering all problems, they will. And KRNH is as well able to put them into effect as anybody. So, unless you've got some better suggestions... Art Kuzak looked the sketches over shrewdly for half an hour. All right, Frank, he said, after some further conversation. It looks good enough. I'll chip in. Whether they're sucker bait or not, these things will sell. Only, could it be you're running away? Perhaps, Nelson answered, or following my nose, by a kind of natural compulsion which others will display too. Two hundred of these to start. The men going with me will pay for theirs. I'll cover the rest of this batch. You'd be better than I am at figuring out prices and terms for later batches. Just on a hunch... I'll always want a considerable oversupply. Post One's shops can turn them out fast. All they are, mostly, is just stellene, arranged in a somewhat new way. The fittings, whatever can't be supplied now, can follow. Fifty asteroid hoppers, ten of them accompanied by wives, went with Nelson as he started out with a loaded caravan toward an empty region halfway between the orbits of Earth and Mars. Everyone in the group was convinced by yearnings of his own. Thinking of Nance Cottis, Nelson planned to keep within beam range of the Red Planet. He had called Nance quite often. She was still working in the survey station hospital and was swamped with injured from Palestine. Nelson could tag all of the fierce drives in him with single words. Home was the first. After all his years away from Earth, the meaning of the word would have been emphatic in him, even without the recurrent spasms of hot, cold weakness, which, though fading, still legally denied him the relief of going back to old familiar things. Besides, Earth seemed insecure. So he could only try to make home possible in space. Remembering his first trip, long ago, from the moon to Mars, he knew how gentle the big vacuum could sometimes seem, with just a skin of stellene between it and himself. Home was a plain longing, too, in the hard, level eyes around him. Love 
Well, wasn't that part of the first item he had tagged? Wonderlust. The adventurous distant drive, part of any wild-blooded vagabond male. Here, in his idea, this other side of a human paradox seemed possible to answer to. You could go anywhere. Home went with you. Your friends could go along, if they wished. Freedom. In the billions of cubic miles could any system ever be big enough to pen you in, tell you what to think or do, as long as you hurt no one? Well, he thought not, but perhaps that remained to be seen. Safety. Deployment was supposed to be the significant factor there, and how could you make it any better than it was going to be now, even if there were new dangers? The future. There was no staying with the past. The earth was becoming too small for its expanding population. It was a stifling, dangerous little world that, if the pressures were not relieved, might puff into fire and fragments at any moment during any year. And the era of prospecting and exploration in the asteroid belt seemed destined soon to come to an end in any event. Frank Nelson's drives were very strong, after so much had passed around him for so long a time. Thus, maybe, he became too idealistic, and, at moments, almost fanatically believing, without enough of the saving grain of doubt and humor. The hoppers with him were much like himself, singly directed by what they had lacked for years. The assembly operation was quickly accomplished, as soon as they were what they considered a safe distance from the belt. On a greater scale, it was almost nothing more than the first task that Nelson had ever performed in space, the jockeying of a bub from its blast-off drum, inflating it, rigging it, spinning it for centrifugal gravity, and fitting in its internal appointments. Nelson looked at the fifty-odd stilling rings that they had broken out of their containers. The others, still packed, were held in reserve. Those that had been freed glistened translucently in the sunlight. Nelson had always thought that bubs were beautiful, and these were still bubs, but they were bigger, safer, more complicated. A bantam-sized hopper named Hank Jans spoke from beside Nelson as they floated near each other. Pop, zizzle, and it's yours, chief. A prefab, a house, a dwelling, a kitchen, a terrace, a place for a garden, a place for kids even. With a few personal touches, you've got it made. Better than the house trailer my dad used to hook onto the jalopy when I was ten. My Alice likes it too, chief. That's the real signal. Tell your pals, Kuzak, that this is the idea of the sentry. Frank Nelson kind of thought so too, just then. The first thing he did was to beam the survey station on Mars, like he was doing twice a week, to communicate more often would have courted the still dangerous chance of being pinpointed. For similar reasons, he couldn't explain too clearly what his project was, but he hoped that he had gotten a picture of what it was like across to his girl. "'Come see for yourself, Nance,' he said enthusiastically. "'I'll arrange for a caravan from Post One to stop by on Phobos and pick you up. Also, there's my old question. So what will it be, Nance?' Maybe we can feel a little surer of ourselves now. We can work the rest out. Come and look, hang around. See how everything shakes down, if you'd rather. He waited for the light minutes to pass, before he could hear her voice. Hello, Frank. There was the same eager quaver. Still pretty jammed, Frank. But we know about it here, from Art, 
Some of the Palestine convalescents will be migrating your way. I'll wrangle free and come along, maybe in about a month. He didn't know quite whether to take her at her word, or whether she was somehow hedging. In the big vacuum, the human mind seemed hard put quite to know itself. Distances and separations were too great. Emotions were too intense or too stunned. This much he had learned to understand. Perhaps he had lost Nance, but maybe still, in some bleak, fatalistic way, it would be just as well in the end for them both. Sure, Nance, he said gently. I'll call again, the regular time. Right after that, he was talking, over a much greater span, to Art Cusack. First phase about completed, Art. Finger to thumb, in spite of the troubles elsewhere. So, let it roll. Art Cusack's reply had an undercurrent of jubilance, as if whatever he knew now was better than he had expected. Second phase is en route. Joe will be along. Don't be surprised. Joe Cusack's approach a few hundred hours later made a luminous cluster in the sky, like a miniature galaxy. It resolved itself into vast bales and all of the stelling rings, storage, and factory of Post 3. Also, there were over a hundred men and thirty-three wives. Many of them were Palestine refugees. Nelson helped Joe through the airlock of the ring that he had hoped would be his and Nance's. Bubtown, huh, Frank? Joe chuckled. The idea is spreading faster than we had believed, and we aren't the only ones that have got it. The timing is just right. People are scared, fed up. Out here, and on Earth, too. Most of the guys that are single in this crowd have girls who will be on their way soon. Some of the tougher space fitness tests are being junked. We're even screening a small batch of runaways from Ceres to be included in the next load. An experiment? But it should work out. They're just like anybody. Art is all of a sudden a liberal, the way he gets when things seem to break right. Everything went fine for quite a while. Art Kuzak was out playing his hunches, giving easy terms to those who couldn't pay at once. Might as well gamble, he growled from the distance. Space and terrestrial forces are still poised. If we lose it all, we lose the whole works anyway. So let's bring them from all around the belt, from Earth, Venus, and from wherever they'll come. Give them a place to work, or let them start their own deal. It all helps. You know what I hear? The Tovies are letting men do things by themselves to hold their own in room as big as this they have to. Their bosses are over a barrel. Just organized discipline ain't gonna work. A guy has to want things his own way. In a more general view, doubt was sneaking up on Frank Nelson, though as far as KRNH was concerned, he had started the ball rolling. We'll keep our fingers crossed, he said. It was only a couple Earth days later that another member of the old bunch showed up. I had the bub all the way from Mercury to Post 1 to get your location from Art, Frankie, he complained. Cripes, why didn't anybody ever try to beam Gimp and me anymore? Solar radiation ain't that hard to get past. So I had to come sneak a look for myself to see what the big deal on the grapevine is. We left the back door unlatched for you two and two, Nelson laughed, and you crept in quietly. Swell to see you. Sitting showered and in fresh clothes on Frank Nelson's sun deck, any changes in two and two banes were less evident than one might have supposed. 
His eyes had a much surer, farther look. Otherwise, he was still the same large hulk, with much the same lugubrious humor. "'Mercury's okay, Frankie,' he said. "'About four thousand people are living in the twilight zone already. I could show you pictures, but I guess you know. Whole farms and little towns under Staline. Made me some dough doing lots of the building. Could have been more, but who cares? Oh, Gimp, he'll be along out here sometime soon. He was putting up another solar powerhouse. But he's beginning to say, what the hell, the future ain't there, or on any planet. So this is how it's going to be, huh? With some additions, sure. Factories, supermarkets, cornfields, pig farms, parks, playgrounds, beauty parlors, all encased in Staline, and orbiting in clusters around the sun, eh? Hey, Pop, some small fry will say to his old man, give me ten bucks, please, for an ice cream cone down at the soda bub. And his mom will say to his dad, George, dear, is the Iano car nice and shiny? I have to go play bridge with the girls over in Nelsonville. No, I'm not ribbing you, Frankie. It'll be kind of nice to hear that type of talk again, if they only include a place for a man to be a little bit himself. Two and two, George Baines sighed rapturously and continued. Figure it out to the end, Frankie. No planets left. All the materials in them used up to build these bub towns. They'll be just big, shining, magnificent rings made up of countless little floating stellene houses all around the sun. A zillion people, maybe more. Gardens, flowers, everything beautiful. Everybody free to move anywhere. Uh-huh. I'm not making fun, Frankie. I'm joining in with all the relief and happiness of my heart. Only, it'll be kind of sad to see the old planets go. To be replaced by a wonderful super-suburbia. Or maybe we should say, superbia. Nelson burst out laughing at last. You sly slob. Anyhow... That extreme is millenniums off, if it has a chance of happening at all. Even so, our descendants, if any, will be going to the stars by then. There won't be any frustration of their thirst for danger, just as there isn't any now for us, except that we can keep our weapons handy and hope. Me, I'm a bit bored with adventure just at the present. So am I, two and two affirmed fervently. Now, "'Have you got me a job, Frankie?' "'There'll be something,' Nelson answered him. "'Meanwhile, to keep from feeling regimented by civilization, "'you could take your rocket launcher "'and join the perimeter watchers "'that range out a thousand miles.'" Nance Cottis arrived a week later with a group of recent Palestine convalescents. Bad signs came with her. But the fact got lost as she hugged Nelson quickly there in the dwelling he had set up with the thought that it would be their home. At once she went on a feminine exploring expedition of the prefab's interior and its new gleaming appointments. Kitchen, living room, sun deck, Nelson's garden was already well along. Like the place, he asked. Love it, Frank, she answered quietly. It could have been more individual, he commented, but we were in a hurry, so they're all identical. That can be fixed some soon. You're thinking about improvements? Her eyes twinkled past the shadow in her expression. Always some, she laughed. Then her face went solemn. Let them ride for now, Frank. It's all wonderful and unbelievable. Hug me again. I love you. Only all this is even more fantastically new to me than it is to you. Realize that, please, Frank. 
I'm a month late in getting here, and I'm still groping my way. A little more time for us both, because you might be fumbling some, too. Her tone was gentle. He saw that her eyes meeting his were honest and clear. He felt the careful strength behind them, after a moment of hurt. There was no rushing, one-way enthusiasm that might easily burn out and blow up in a short time. He held her close. Sure, Nance, he said. You probably know that our group from Mars was followed, Frank. I hope I'm not a jinx. Of course you're not. Somebody would have followed, sometime. We're watching and listening. Just keep your archer handy. The faint, shifting blips in the radar screens was an old story, reminding him that certain things were no better than before, and that some were worse. Somewhere there were other bub-towns. There were policing space forces, too. But for millions of miles around, this cluster of 800 prefabs and the numerous larger bubs that served them were all alone. Nelson looked out from his sun-deck and saw dangerous contrasts. The worst, perhaps, was the spherical bubble of Stellene. Inside it was a great globe of water surrounded by air, a colossal dewdrop. Within it, a man and two small boys, no doubt father and sons from Palestine, were swimming, horsing around, having a swell time, only a few feet from nothing. Nelson spoke softly into his radio phone. Leland, close down the pool. End of chapter 8, part 1